0: episode 160 of the Cricket Her Weekly. We are quite excited because the cricket season in England is going to be starting. Um, well, it's already started. We were supposed to be at some cricket today, weren't we, <laughs> We were. We were supposed to be at Barkshire v Bucks, but it's been rained off, so that's very sad. It's not really cricket weather, but we can still be excited about the prospect of some cricket season, yeah. I think. shakes fist at the winner. <laughs> Okay we'll come back to um, the forthcoming season in a minute Um, but first of all we wanted to start by talking about some quite big news that doesn't really seem to be being talked about very much surprisingly which relates to um, the WPL um, and in particular a discussion that we had last week about um, the fact that the BCCI want to expand it into being Home and away. Well, Crickinfo have reported that Jay Shaw, the secretary of the BCCI, has said that the WPL will be expanding to home and away, and in order to do that, it's going to move to a different window. It's going to move to November, apparently. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, as as we said. Um... You know the the move to home and away means um, it doesn't mean more fixtures. It means they need more time between fixtures. Yeah. It means that players need to fly from A to B to C. Um, but November isn't isn't that the the WBBL <laughs> window? Round? Well.
0: Yes. See, this is interesting because when I interviewed Snell Bradan, um, who's obviously now the ICC's uh, women's cricket manager, she specifically referred me to the ICC's Women's Future Tours program, which lays out windows for the three big um, women's franchise tournaments: the Hundred, the WBBL, and the WPL. Um, and yes, they've all got their own windows. Um, but uh, we had a look at the uh, at the future tours program just now and while there are sort of windows for those three tournaments and the um there is one in november and there is one in kind of march april time um and there is one in august um for the hundred but it doesn't actually explicitly say these are what the windows are for But everyone
1: understood that November (laughs) was the WBBL's window, right? Well,
0: you might refer to it as a sort of gentleman's agreement, uh, which is literally true in this case, because you'd imagine that the people who were signing up to it were men. Um, But, and and, you know, the Cricket Australia uh, press release... Um, when the Future Tours programme was announced, basically said, this is great because it guarantees um, that our players can still play, have this window to play in the WBBL in November, right? Because their favoured windows for other things um, rely on that WBBL being in, window being mm-hmm. in November. Um, but the BCCI are now saying, no, that's our window. And they seem to be basically saying, we don't care about what anyone else might have been wanting to do in that window, Right.
1: So, what what are WB what are WBBL's options? I mean, I guess the the, the two most obvious options are that they, they find a different window. There's potentially a window around Christmas. Um, there's, there's potentially a window much later in the season, at the, mm. right at the end of April. But that's I, I mean, it's kind that's of Australia's like, winter, yeah. Though. So that doesn't appear to be feasible. Um, or that they play them both at the same time. I mean, that sounds mad, doesn't it, Raph? I mean, what what would happen with the likes of, you know, Ash Gardner? What, what, what,
0: yeah, know? well, I mean, practically speaking, um, the BCCI are kind of saying, we're going to have our WPL in this November. Well, I think that Cricket Australia, will have already put in place a lot of the arrangements to have WBPL... In November, right? So that's going to make things yeah. Practically they've already very set difficult. up their TV
1: schedules. Yeah. They've already you know literally booked the booked stadiums, the grounds, and the
0: started putting in place those practical logistical arrangements. Yeah.
1: Booking hotels, all that, booking yeah. flights, all that stuff yeah. that you need to do that you that is is you know much more expensive to do if you do it at the last minute. Yeah. So
0: moving it is going to be really difficult, but. Going up in a direct clash, the WBBL and the WPL. What's going to happen? Well, it puts players like Ash Gardner in on the horns of a dilemma, doesn't it? You know, she is getting paid an enormous amount to play in WPL, but she presumably there's some She's also getting paid
1: quite an enormous amount to play. For Australia, to be fair, and she, her Australia contract is also worth a lot of money. So, and do you think that she that, that
0: she'll be contractually obligated, or players like her will be obligated contractually? I would to be play surprised. I would be surprised
1: if the Australian international squad aren't contractually obligated to play in WBL. Um, but you know, again, if they can, even if they're contractually obligated, what we've seen in men's cricket in this country. Um, over the 100 yeah. is, is you know exactly these kinds of dilemmas that people are obviously uh, obliged to play in a particular tournament and then the men are now going well actually we don't want to play in it we want to go and play in this major mm-hmm. league cricket in the United States because that provides a shop window for us to potentially play in future in the IPL which is enormously valuable so, you know, so we're going to see those dilemmas and so it looks like we're going to be seeing them much sooner than we thought.
0: Yeah. And so the men have got that bargaining power, but you'd think that somebody like Ash Gardner might now also have that bargaining power to be able to say, well, I want to play in this thing that's going to earn me however many hundreds of thousands of dollars a year um, for a much shorter time than my commitments to Australia. If... Cricket Australia want to come down really hard, then they could say no. You're playing in WBBL and that's that. And if you want to go off and play in India, then that's up to you. But you won't be playing international cricket again. Um, That is going to be even more tricky for players because I think that it's going to be there's going to be some stigma attached if you're one of the first players to turn around, first female players to turn around and say, effectively say, I need that money or I want that money more. And I want to keep playing international. Yeah, cricket. it's very
1: interesting, isn't it? The players that have currently done that, your Lizelle Lees and your Deandra Dottins, the the implication from the players has always been, oh, well, the board basically, you know, yeah, didn't want me I anymore. Had a out I had with a falling out with the board. The board, the board are all horrible. Donna have her has come out pretty much and said some similar things, hasn't she? she the has on the last boards, couple of weeks. yeah. Um and so they've they've been able to blame it on the board and go, Well it wasn't it wasn't me that wanted the money, it was yeah. the board that forced forced yeah, the board my hand. In my this. hand but Whereas this is literally if an Ash, be... an Ash Gardner does that, it'll yeah. be much more explicit of like, No, I'm doing this because they're paying me, you know, several hundred thousand pounds to Yeah.
0: And I think that um as I say, there will be stigma, there'll be criticism in the press. The Australian press are very harsh on um cricketers, more so than our press are, just purely because there's more interest over there. Um so I think, you know, it's it could be very tricky um it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens it is okay. okay so Sid our cricket season is starting we've got the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy starting next weekend and we've got a new team or is it a new team Sid?
1: <laughs> well I asked this on on Twitter because there, were, there was you know people have had different opinions about whether the Blaze is a new team from from Lightning um, and um, Jeremy Ramage raised it. I put together a Twitter poll. What was the results of our Twitter poll, Raf?
0: Okay, well, so, um, so the Blaze is the new team for the, it's the East Midlands, isn't it? Um, the new regional team. So effectively, just to like, recap uh, viewers and listeners, um, they've moved from being based at Loughborough University and being called the Lightning to now being based somewhere else at Trent Bridge and being called the Blaze. Okay, so yeah, there's this question does a record stand and it matters team. because of the statistics if somebody's hit 100 for lightning does that mean they've also hit 100 for plays okay now the, the results of the twitter poll were quite one sided actually 80% of the people who voted in that poll said it's the same team and the stats should all carry over and twenty percent of people said that it shouldn't. It's a new team.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's what um, Crickviz have done. So someone who works for Crickviz popped up on Twitter and said, basically, yeah. we've just renamed the side. Uh, interestingly enough, Crick Info. Um, I checked earlier in the week, and Crick Info have created a new team profile mm. for the Blaze, mm. so that the Lightning stats don't appear that they're going to be carried carried on. I mean, it doesn't match in the greater scheme of things. You know, I mean, as a, as a player, if you scored a hundred for the you know for the Lightning, you sc- still scored a hundred. Exactly. Um, but you know, it's just uh, it's just that fun question of you know if if you score a hundred for the blaze, are you the first person to score a hundred yeah. for the franchise? Yeah. Or, you know, are you actually the, you know, X ex-
0: actually from a media perspective it's more interesting if it is a new team because it's a yeah. better headline it's a better story right so i ended up voting in your poll that actually i think that it should be a new team just because it's going to make it easier to write about
1: yeah and i think that in some ways they want to look at it as a sort of reboot of the a reboot yeah. of the franchise if you like so yes. that you know that they can start again because obviously the lightning wasn't the most successful franchise exactly and you know they, they'd like to get some silverware this year so yeah. you know yeah.
0: So I think they probably, yeah, as you say, they probably want to look very
1: at it much see it as a, it as a new, new start. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think? Well, I, th- I, th- I'd like to see it as a new start. So that's what I'm going for.
0: Okay. Um, so we've got a lot of cricket, domestic cricket, coming up to look forward to. Very exciting, Sid. Um, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to, or anyone in particular that you're interested to see? this
1: summer yeah there's been some interesting moves haven't there I mean there always are some interesting moves but and there's been a couple of that I can pull out to talk about I think I, I'll talk in, in a minute we'll come back to vipers a little bit but it's okay. interesting that vipers have let a couple of players go yeah um Paige Schofield and Tyron Norris have both gone off to to pastures new um to southeast styles and uh, I can't believe it's not Lancashire <laughs> um the respectively Thunder.
0: Yes. Thank you, Sid. <laughs>
1: Actually, no, I can't believe it is Lancashire, isn't it? Because they have like Lancashire Thunder written explicitly on the back. They
0: have just
1: given up with it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and I always bang on about about the fact that, you know, moving can be really helpful for a player's career. Yeah. Um, none of those players are total youngsters. You know, they're both in their mid-twenties and approaching the peak of their career. So it's a real opportunity for them to, you know, take that move and really assert themselves as senior pros now in their new setups. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, one other move that I think is a really interesting one, which is of a much younger player, because I, I would like to see these younger players move. I think Ellie Threlkout should have moved three or four years ago. Um, I think, you know, that Bess Heath should have moved this season okay. just to give themselves you know, something new, a new environment to be able to kick on. Chloe Brewer, I think she's going to be a really interesting one to watch. So she's moved from the Southeast Stars to the Central Sparks. Um, It looks like she's going to get some really good opportunities in the warm-up matches. She's been bowling first change. She's been uh, batting at the top of the the order. Um, And that's a really, really good chance for a Mm 20-year-old to kind of um, give new impetus for their career taking all that advice from all those new coaches she'll have a load of new faces around her she'll she'll learn more in the next six months than she has in the last two years kind of thing because you do just absorb different things from different people so yeah. it's a brave move to go up you know to a new city where you, you know where you haven't lived before to move from london to birmingham um, but one that I, I really hope comes off from her so look out for her the other person to look out for me this year is to look how alexa stonehouse is going to going to go on this year. Okay. I did mention her a year ago um, and I, I mentioned her actually in the same breath as Freya Kemp and I was like, there's these two youngsters, they both have massive potential as like bicketing batters. I reckon Alexa Stonehouse, like I said, is the one that's going to make it first. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what do I know about any of this stuff? Because now, <laughs> Is well, Stonehouse has got one major disadvantage. <laughs> she doesn't play for Vipers
0: since, so there you well, go. Well,
1: um, yeah, but, you know, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how she goes this year. If she can, you know, step up and she, she kind of needs to look at what Frat Campus achieves yeah. and go, I could do that as well. I could be that. Go out there, play bravely, you know, work really hard. Mm. And, you know, she could have, she could be the next Kemp. She could be playing for England in a year's time. So look out for her as well.
0: Okay. I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, what the players who played in the Under-19 World Cup over the winter um, are going to do this season, kind of off the back of that, which would have been a really... Um, exciting kind of formative experience for them in their cricketing careers um, so obviously there's a whole load of players who who played in that and um, one in particular that's interesting I think um, who we've probably talked about before but Davina Perrin actually had a kind of quite an up and down under 19 world cup and um, she was obviously one of the youngest players um, to have played in it
1: She's a, she's one of the few that will get another under nineteen World Cup. So there she's you young go. She'll get another one.
0: Yeah, um, and perhaps may have been disappointed with her personal performances, but I think that cricket is so much about kind of having being able to bounce back and recover when it's not gone very well. And she has
1: got time on her side. Yeah,
0: so I think it will be interesting to see how she recovers from that. Um, and I think yeah, so so I'm interested in that. Talking about people who um, who might have chosen to move but haven't. Uh, Grace Scrivens is obviously still very much. On our radar, um, I believe that yeah, she scored 100 yeah, in a warm up. I was just going to talk about that, um, and actually, you know, it just showed how so much she is like, you know, a cut above all of those other Sunrises players, and is so is so much kind of carrying that team and yet hasn't been made captain. And yeah. we know she wants to be captain, because when I interviewed her, she said, I want to be captain. So I don't know how that's going to play out. I, and she's obviously been, will have been given an opportunity to move somewhere else, because, you know, any of the other regional head coaches would be stupid not to want her, right? Um, but she's chosen to stay at Sunris's and, and And, you know, how, can she actually achieve some success for them? And how does that, how does that kind of, that... That carrying that team, how long can you do that without getting frustrated, I guess, um, is, is an interesting question.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I, I'm disappointed about the captaincy thing. Again, no no shade on Kelly Castle, but I mean, you know, we, we need Grace Cribbons to get the captaincy experience. Yeah. Like the only logic to me seems to be that somebody has told them that, that Gracie is going to be in the England teams or she's going to be in the England squads this year and therefore so it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's possible. If that, if that isn't what's happened then you know I'm kind of disappointed and honestly I think that you know Jonathan Finch should be going down to going down to Chelmsford himself and changing the the sheet.
0: (laughs) I don't know if he's allowed to do that but you know if he's watching then give it a go give it a go Finchie um, anyway um, now Sid I would ask you for your predictions in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy and the Charlotte Edwards Cup but there's really no point because I know you'd be predicting a clean sweep for the Vipers so we'll just we'll just skirt over that so what but are your let's first? talk about well no I want to talk about the Vipers okay. um, because this week they have um, announced five additional professional contracts now I believe these are to run for the summer only I think they're six months basically so they're sort of yeah. seasonal contracts and um, that overall, for the next six months, takes Vipers up to having 16 professionals in their side. Now, basically, Vipers are Australia, aren't they? And what I mean by that is that they are pushing the envelope. They are really trying to make strides in professionalism and setting the standard for other teams to follow and to meet what they are doing. Um, you know, does this having this these 16 professionals, does it make them unbeatable, Sid? I don't think it
1: makes them Can unbeatable. Can you try and, as, and do as it with a saying,
0: little bit less bias? As,
1: as, as we've <laughs> said, then they, you know, they have let a couple of players go and they've put okay. some faith in their younger players yeah. here to, to kind of step up in that situation. Mm. And that may be something that comes to fruition this year, but it may take a couple of years. As for the six-month contracts, I think it's really interesting. I think that the, the six-month contracts, I think that they benefit the, the club and the team more, more than they benefit the players. Mm, so a summer contract benefits the club obviously because it means that you've got the player available all the time you don't have issues I know that I know um, without wishing to kind of bring people particularly into it but there was at least one player at Vipers last year that was not available for all of the games because um, her day job didn't allow her to, to be available for all of those games and that caused it caused you know
0: well, they're playing some midweek was, now, yeah, aren't they? So and not everything it isn't at the weekend. generally
1: scheduling wasn't straightforward. Yeah. You had to like go juggle a little bit when you yeah. didn't want to. Whereas now they can go. Well, we've got first call on our entire exactly. squad for the entire summer. So that benefits the club. Yeah. But it's the what the player really benefits from in terms of professional contracts is a winter contract. The winter contract's the key for player improvement because the winter is when you get the chance to go. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna add a new delivery to to you know to my my bowling options. You know, I'm gonna add a new shot to my batting options. I'm gonna work on my you know hitting in the v i 'm going to my work fitness. on my hitting behind square i'm going to you know build my strength up yeah. i 've got six months to you know sit in the gym and lift weights yeah. um, you know, it's the winter contracts that really benefit the players, whereas these players are obviously going to have to go back to day jobs in the in the winter mm. and then work very hard at their day jobs because when you 've been away for six months, those that are going back to the same job. Um, you know, if your employers allow you to do that, it's awesome if they allow you back. But you, when you come back, and I know this because I also have a day job, when you go back, you will feel really committed that you've got to work super hard and you've got yeah. to like totally prove yourself all over again. So you're going to have to work longer hours and all that stuff over the winter. Okay. It's going to make your winter harder. But I
0: would contradict so, that by saying that what these summer contracts are is a potential step for these players. If they're prepared to move to a different region, is actually you know come September to wave at the sunrises or the thunder or whoever else and go hey I've had a really good season make me a full time pro yeah um, and so that could potentially really benefit these players and Vipers are investing in them for them then to disappear off somewhere else so you know six <laughs> of one. Half a dozen of the other, maybe, Sid. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Vipers also, um, and I know you've got quite strong feelings about this, Sid. Vipers have got a new shirt sponsor, haven't they? And it's the same shirt sponsor that Hampshire have got.
1: They have. And this is presumably where some of the money to pay for this is coming from. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's been a topic uh, generally in England and in the UK over the past week because the Premier League, the men's Premier League for football, have announced that they're going to forbid clubs from accepting gambling sponsorship as their kind of masthead sponsorship, the main sponsorship they have on the front of their shirts. Mm. And there's a load of caveats to this. It's it's not going to be for a couple of years to allow existing contracts to play out. It's only the main front shirt sponsorship, so potentially you can start a gambling company on your sleeve. You can have them on on the billboards around the stadium. But all of that, you know, those caveats notwithstanding... They are coming to terms, you know, with saying, you know, we're not going to have gambling companies mm-hmm. um, as are our mainline sponsors. And the company that are now going to be sponsoring, you know, the, the main shirt sponsorship for both Vipers and Hampshire are quite close to being a gambling company. Okay. Um, technically, it's kind of it's um, financial spread betting um, or financial spread trading. I believe they refer to it. Um, <laughs> Is it gambling? Well, it's actually regulated by the Financial Services Authority in this country. But when you buy the shares via these financial trading platforms, you're not actually buying a share. You're effectively making a bet, and then the trading platform will play out according to payouts. Payout, according to you know, whether or not the share goes up or down in value. You don't own a share, and there's okay. never a share traded as a result of this. Yeah. Winnings or losings, because most people lose money. Um, winnings and losses. Uh, are taxed as gambling wins or losses. Um, and that's a distinct category in this country. Um, so, you know, is, is it a gambling sponsor? Well, it's quite close to being a gambling okay. sponsor. I'm a little bit unhappy that, you know, we've got somebody sponsoring our front, the front of the shirts that's essentially quite close to being a gambling company where, you know, let's bear in mind, this is the, the kind of gambling where 80% mm-hmm. of people that are involved in this kind of gambling lose their money.
0: I'm going to counter that, though, and I'm going to say that I think that Hampshire and Vipers would have thought very hard about this. And this has obviously been a very lucrative sponsorship for them in order to help fund these new contracts. And I would also say that English cricket, I believe, is actually really struggling for sponsors at the moment. Um, you know, several of the ECB's yeah. big sponsors have ditched them in the last few months. Um, we know that for the hundred, they had to go to this junk food, this crisp company in order to get shirt sponsorship. And they were criticised a lot for it. But presumably this company were paying out a lot of money. Um, and so actually, I don't know, you know, they always say like beggars can't be choosers. And I'm not saying that vipers have gone to this company cap in hand. But if we want there to be investment, it's, it's, it's difficult. That's all I'm saying. It's a dilemma for, for cricket, isn't it? Because it doesn't have the same yeah, commercial like, clout yeah, as Yeah, we don't have does. the clout to,
1: to yeah. have you know people like the you know the Tata Dark Safari you know sponsoring us. Yeah. So
0: <gasps> oh, we get Tata Tea Gold to sponsor <laughs> Vipers.
1: Surely Tata T Gold would have to sponsor the gold at Sunrises, isn't it?
0: Okay. Well, you know, they could I, just the want Tata to, tea I just want to see more adverts. I love Tata that so much during WPL. Anyway. Okay, so um, this kind of segues into something else that I wanted to talk about because um, there's actually been a report released um, quite recently, if not this week, um, about the finance of English cricket more generally. Um, it's about 120 pages. I'm going to say up front, I haven't read the whole thing, but one of the... But
1: George George Bell has.
0: George Bell has, apparently. George DeBell released well, a week one, one of the headlines or one of the kind of the calculations that George de Bell has done and has been sort of talking about um, on various uh, kind of radio shows um, is about the what the hundred has cost the ECB. Um, So he is basically saying that the hundred has so far lost the ECB 58 million pounds.
1: What do you make of that, Sid? Well, it, it's a lot of money. Um, when you when you talk, talk about it like that, mm. I mean, I think the bottom line is like you no know, no in what sense has it lost the ECB that yeah. money? The, the the number that George has you know calculated there takes into account the payments made to men's counties. And, yep. and over half of that money is payments made to men's counties. So at that point, you're going, well, George, yeah, that's true that you've, you've found a figure of 58 million pounds. But half of that has gone back to the men's counties. So, you know, what did you want that money to go to? I mean, presumably, if you were, if you were allocating the money, you'd allocate it to the men's counties. So, like, half of it has gone directly to the men's counties. Um, anyway it's so it's gone to the same place that it would have gone to anyway yeah there is um, a
0: mysterious figure of nine million pounds that's gone to mcc that nobody yeah, seems to nobody be talking seems about to to quite account for this so, $9 million so that's, that's a bit MCC, weird
1: but you know hey. i mean at the end of the day the mcc you know that's it's the, the mcc's relationship with the ecb is sort of symbiotic and it's that's a difficult one i guess. That, yeah. You know, they're not the same thing, but they sort of are the same thing yeah. and the headquarters is in the same place. And think,
0: so there's arguments yeah. for that. I mean, I the think, bottom um... line
1: is, the bottom line is, people are using this as a stick to beat the 100. You know, they've they're, they're plucked a huge red figure out of the air um, and gone, you know, this is an enormous figure and this is why the 100 is bad. And what's really bad for the ECB is the 100 is now taking flat from both ends. It's got a gun pointed at both heads or something. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> the, the 100 is taking flat from people at one end, going, you know, you're spending money on the 100 that you could be spending on implicitly men's county cricket. You could yeah. have just reinvested that money in the blast and everything would have been wonderful. But at the other end, it's also being attacked from the people for not having enough money in the 100, where you're going, well, um, you know, Alex Hales wants to go and play in Major League Cricket, but if that's because the 100 can't pay him that the salary that he wants. Yeah. So we need more money in the 100. Yeah. So nobody's got any love for the 100. And for me, this is just like... This is the, the the fundamental mistake that the ECB made was not with the hundred, was was not getting buy in from the traditional fans. They ignored them, and they acknowledged they made a mistake there. But this is now coming back to bite them because now you know everyone's gunning for them, and I just don't ultimately see how the hundred is going to survive this because we're into a third year now, or a fourth year if you count the year that didn't happen um, because of the pandemic. A, a fourth year of you know nobody's buying into the hundred. That the, most people from men's cricket still seem to hate it. And, you know, the people that were pro the 100 now hate it as well because it's not as good as the, you know, Indian Premier League or the BBL and it's not offering really, enough money. And that's
0: it's... really pessimistic, Sid, given well, how much um, how much of the, the 100 it. has been about trying to create a level playing field for women's cricket. And I actually don't think that everyone is like, I think that the 100 is attracting new fans into cricket. And that's the issue is that we've got this divide between new fans and old fans I don't think wow that was very, that was a very pessimistic assessment I wasn't quite expecting you to be so pessimistic there. Um all I was going to say was that um I don't think that this is the that this thing about oh the ECB spent 58 million pounds on the hundred is the gotcha that the men's counties think it is or that fans of the men's counties think it is um because basically what it's saying is that in order for us to, or in order for English cricket to have a competition that treated women's cricket in an equal way, or an, an approaching equal way to men's cricket, um, they actually had to like spend all of this money on something totally new and invent a totally new format and a totally new competition because. The existing situation for women's cricket and the existing investment in women's cricket by the men's counties was so poor that they had to literally generate a revolution in order to make it possible to have the women's 100 alongside the men's 100. Now, that is not that does not reflect well on the men's counties that reflects really poorly on the men's counties because it suggests that they sat there for 20 years with women's county cricket under their remit and they did nothing to promote it. And they can, they can now, all they like, they can go, oh, Somerset, we've given our women the same shirts as the men. Well well done. Where were you 20 years ago? And that's the, really, that's the thing that makes me really cross. And you read below the line of George DeBell's thing on Twitter about, oh, you know, they spent £58 million pounds on the 100. And it's all people saying that the money should have been spent on the Blast or the Men's County Championship. There is nobody out there saying we should have spent this money on supporting the Women's County Championship. Nobody. I've, n- I've heard literally nobody say that. And it just makes me really cross because basically what people are saying is that they wanted the status quo to remain and the status quo was rubbish for women's cricket. OK. Right. So that's the hundred. Now, a little bit of international news to finish up with this week, Sid, um, from the West Indies. And um, Courtney Walsh has been sacked as the head coach or as uh, the West Indies Cricket Board put it, um, he, his contract has come to an end and it is not being renewed, which is basically code for um, we've sacked him. Now, you did a little bit of investigating into his his win-loss record with the team, didn't you, just before we came on air? Yeah,
1: and it's gone down a little bit. So, um, okay. you know, the kind of three years... Uh, so he's been uh, the manager since 2020... Uh, March 2020 and the the three years prior to that they had you know a win percentage of like 36 percent during his reign the win percentage has fallen to 32 percent so that's not I don't think it's really of of much significance to be honest we're talking about a couple of games either way Um, so I, I just don't feel that you know that he was the problem I think that West Indies cricket has you know, big problems ahead of it, and it's going to struggle to, mm. you know, West Indies women's cricket is going to struggle to remain relevant, and West Indies men's cricket is struggling, you know, continues to struggle as well. And I don't think that, you know, firing the coach is 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 going to be the magic bullet it's the thing
0: that we do though isn't it in cricket because we've talked about this in relation to the english context before you know firing mark robinson after england were humiliated in the 2019 women's ashes because he was the guy that was going to take the blame for that right and so clearly west indies women have had a really really poor few years and very you know finding it really hard to compete at world cups and in bilateral series and things like that um and So they've gone, okay, well, the problem is the coach. um, And it is something that we see in cricket. But as you say, not necessarily very helpful for them.
1: Honestly, I think they could appoint, if they appointed Charlotte Edwards as the next West Indies coach, I think she'd struggle as well, you know?
0: Mm, Okay. Because it's about the resources you've got at your disposal, ultimately, isn't it? Yeah. And the one thing about having Courtney Walsh, I will just say, is that he was like a really big name in men's cricket. And you feel like almost there is still a cultural shift that needs to happen in the Caribbean about kind of attitudes to women's cricket. that um, yeah, it's still seen very much as kind of the lesser version of cricket um, in a way that hopefully we're starting to shift away from in England and Australia. Um, and actually having Courtney Walsh as your head coach, people go, oh, we know him. He's coaching the women. Maybe we should watch some women's cricket. So they've kind of maybe shot themselves in the foot to that extent, depending on who they get as their next head coach.
1: Yeah, we'll see. But I I don't think they're going to find it any easier.
0: Okay, let's cool. see. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. And we will see you in a week's time. Bye. Bye.